If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Sorry, buddy, we're waiting for Craig to figure out his, uh, I don't know, headphones, AirPods, as if we've never done this before. You know what, in the meantime, while Craig figures this shit out, uh, if there's anyone out there that immediately wants to jump on the stage and chat, let's do it. I feel like we're going to have, <laughs> we already have people, I feel like we're going to have a ton of people today that uh, want to talk about their, their favorite candidates for manager. Uh, I'm going to mute Craig so he doesn't, well, whatever, maybe I won't. Hold on, let me unmute him. Christopher. What's up, John? How you doing, buddy? I'm all alone up here on this stage without my my buddy Craig Elston, but I'm doing just fine. How are you? You know, I'm good. I'm I'm a little disappointed by a professional like Craig not being able to get on ready to go in time. It's, it's, it hurts a little bit. You know, I hesitate. <laughs> I I often have to uh, keep myself in check from making uh like old jokes, like ageist jokes about Craig Elston, but I I may have to just go in on him today. We'll see. <laughs> But yeah, no man, it's a it's a good day. I'm working right now, but watching some playoff baseball and just uh, getting ready to watch a lot this weekend. So, uh, who's your uh, who's your favorite candidate to be the next manager of the San Diego Padres? <sighs> I've been thinking about this, man. I don't know because it's like obviously we, we've tried the young we've tried the young guys and that hasn't worked. And then watching some of the playoffs today, watching guys like Larusa and Baker be there and uh, manage teams in the playoffs, like. I think you have to go the older route and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, wrong, but Dusty Baker is a free agent at the end of the year, right? I don't know. Like I don't keep track of coach contracts and I don't know any any website that does, but um, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm almost the, in the opposite direction where like, I feel like they need to go young, like someone that they would respect, but someone young, Cause like, I don't know, like I just, I, I know Fernando Tatis Jr. has like his father and he grew up around baseball, but like, you think he's really going to click with like 80 year old Dusty Baker? Um, maybe, I mean, Dusty's made, you know, a whole career out of that, but yeah, I, don't, I, I, I mean, don't... he's not my first choice, but you look at what LaRusse has done with that young White Sox team this year. So, I mean, yeah, there's obviously been some bumps in the road, but at the end of the day, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, but, like, you can see by looking at LaRusse's face that, like, he sold his soul to the devil to get, like, some winning White Sox baseball to, to try and uh, end the, the his managerial career on a high instead of on a few different uh, benders. And, uh, and you know, Dusty Baker does not appear to be uh, the type of man who sold his soul for anything. Um, does he have a World Series ring? He does not. Was he not and the manager? that's why... Who was the manager of the Cubs when the Cubs won the World Series? I thought it was him. You you might be right then. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up while we're chatting. But um, but yeah, I mean, re- regardless, like you know, I, I think we do need to bring a guy in, and I think the biggest caveat is not another AJ Pearl yes man because that has clearly not worked. And I know everyone's been saying it, but it, it seems like all signs are pointing to Ron Washington. And if he's brought in, that would be absolutely terrifying because it 
basically assures of assures us of all our fears but yeah it's it's got to be somebody with a backbone that's willing to stand up to aj perler at this point yeah and they would try and sell ron washington as like oh ron's always stood up to aj he's definitely not a yes man but like basically if you're looking for managers with experience which is what they've said that they want and you want someone who uh is going to go along with aj either because aj gave him the chance that nobody else would uh or because they have a history of working together uh ron washington would be the one and only choice that's why i'm kind of with you we're like that's that's probably the the wrong choice craig can you uh can you talk into a microphone yet can you hear us i believe so uh, and if you can hear me then we can converse we can converse yes. Wow, this is exciting. Yeah, there was an issue uh, for some reason with the microphone. When I plugged it in, it made you guys sound all weird and chirpy. So I just unplugged it and now it works with the AirPods. So sorry for the quality of, of sound. I tried to bring you a professional mic, but it made John sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks. I, you know, I normally sound like a chipmunk, but I think you sound fine, Craig. So no worries. Okay, excellent. Excellent. And everyone's bringing their favorite manager to put under the tree. And that's fun. Yeah, so far, uh, Chris, uh, Chris's vote was possibly Dusty Baker and definitely not Ron Washington, correct? That, that is correct. And then I did go back and look. He uh, he was not the manager of the, the Cubs. That was uh, oh, yeah, it was Joe um, Madden. Yeah, it was he, Joe Madden. He won World Series as a player in 81, and that's it. So no World yeah, Series. No, he's come, uh, yeah, no, he's no World Series rings for Dusty Baker. Yeah, there was the, uh, what do they call it, the Freeway Series with the Giants and the, the Angels where Dusty Baker's child almost got murdered on live TV. That was fun. Yes. <laughs> where he yes. gave the ball to uh, the pitcher Ortiz. I forget his first name. Russ. The, uh, Russ Ortiz, uh, the Giants starter in the uh, in game six. He gave him the game ball because he thought the game was over. And I think the uh, the Giants were up six nothing and the Angels came back and won the game and won game seven. And uh, no rings for Dusty. He's destroyed a million elbows. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it hey, he'll fit seem... right in. He'll fit right in. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it'll be like nothing changed. Um, but I mean, he has done a, a much better job with the Astros than I think I would have given him uh, a chance to do when he turned up uh, two years ago for AJ Hinch. Um, admittedly, yeah. that's a really talented ball club, but uh, a manager taking a talented ball club and winning with it is the whole freaking point of our exercise here. That didn't happen in 2021. So, uh, you know, that's what they need to happen in 2022. Yeah, and then John, just to, just to clarify, I looked online. Dusty Baker did just sign a one-year contract, so at the end of the year, he is not under contract. That's so strange, but good good to know, I guess. Throw him in the hopper with everybody yeah, I else. Mean, I mean, he he got him to the ALCS last year and got him close to a World Series, and I mean, they're they're looking pretty darn good two games into the postseason so far this year. So he's a fine manager. He's not my favorite though. Um, all right, Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick you off uh not kick you off but move you back to the audience um <laughs> anyone else who wants to talk about their managerial favorite candidates uh feel free to raise your hand and uh and throw them into the fray and, and defend them with all of your heart um while we wait for for more people to raise their hand there's literally jeff who said earlier he wasn't going to be able to talk but he's raising his hand so i'll you know i'll let jeff go right now maybe he's got a small small window uh to to give us his favorite managerial candidate jeff how are you that makes sense yeah hi jeff hi guys if, if i sound terrible let me know i'm literally on the beat as bad but i <laughs> thought i would take the i'm listening to you guys and staring out of the ocean it's my moment of zen um i love it but uh so my uh managerial thought He's not available yet, but I'm hoping he's going to become available. And this may seem shocking from Mr. Red Sox, but uh, I would love Aaron Boone to be the next manager of the San Diego Padres. I feel like he is vastly underappreciated in New York, where obviously expectations are a lot different. Uh, and I have a feeling that they might be letting him go uh, after four years of not going to the World Series. But I think he would be like the perfect mix of what the Padres need in that he's young enough to be relatable to the players. He seems like a pretty much a player's manager in New York, but he's now done it for four years. He's done it in New York. So he certainly understands that kind of pressure. 
uh, it's, it's not it's not an Andy Green situation or a Tingler situation. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a matter. I just don't know. You know, it seems like the Yankees are sort of the needle is moving toward them letting him go. And boy, I'd say if he if he popped up on the market, I, I'd go after him hard. But I, I'm curious what you guys think. I'm going to let the waves crash in the background, but you guys go ahead and, and talk and, uh, <laughs> and, and we'll try to get next week from the house. Sounds good. Craig, what's your uh, what's your response to Aaron Boone? I think that's a ringing endorsement uh, from Jeff. I'm not a Yankees fan. I have not watched Aaron Boone extremely closely. He's won a lot of games as Yankees manager. He's had his team in the playoffs, I, I think, every year but one. Uh, Jeff's still here. I don't, I, uh, you know, every year but one or every year? Um, yeah, pr- pretty close to it. So, you know, he, he's – I think he's a good person that brings – respect because he was an accomplished player you know and a player who won and won in the playoffs uh he's uh had enough experience now in a major market under major pressure that coming to san diego could be uh relieving for him um and and make him feel more comfortable to do the job Uh, i would not be against aaron boone and and i would definitely put him uh, on the list and i'd probably put him in the in the top five yeah yeah, I mean, he's – it's funny. I remember back when the Red Sox beat the Yankees in 2018 in the division series. And, you know, as you can – you know, being from Connecticut, I have a lot of Yankee fan friends. My dad's a Yankees fan. And the talk was they wanted him fired. And, you know, the Yankees won 100 games. You know, yeah, okay, they lost They lost to the Red Sox in a, in a five-game series. But, you know, every year they win – I think he's averaging like 98 wins a year. And that's not, you know, he's got Judge and Stanton in the middle of that lineup, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of kind of nondescript guys in that lineup, and they still churn out the wins. And uh, and I just feel like, you know, that's a manager, but, you know, the expectations are so high in New York that they may not realize they actually have a really good manager and let him go. And uh, I, I would think if I were the boy, if I were the potter, because it just seems like that's what they're looking for. Like, you want a manager yeah. with experience, uh, but that is not somebody who's like, you know, 80 years old, you know, I mean, it's still a pretty young guy and obviously the pedigree, the, the family history, I mean, I'm sure every player in that clubhouse. And, you know, I don't know if Machado and Boone's career, playing careers overlapped at all. You know, obviously Aaron had the knee injury in 04 and didn't play, but I'm sure he, you know, from being with the Orioles, he's, he knows who he is. You know, I mean, and, yeah. and must have and must have a certain amount of respect for him. But I, and of course, then it's just a matter of would the Yankees let him go? And I, I, I don't know. I guess we have to wait and see. But I don't know if there's going to be another. I mean, it's, I'm curious to see who's going to be out, available with managerial experience. That's not like and nothing against Bruce Bochy. I don't, I don't mean to disrespect him, but, you know, he's, he's so much older. Like, I, I would think they would want to have someone who's younger, like they've tried with green and with tingler a younger guy but someone that has managerial experience and it's just not a lot of guys like that out there and uh, so that's why boone pops to the top of my list um yeah that's that's a great point jeff yeah in a perfect world i would buy out the last year of francona's contract and bring tito in well yeah that's that's just me (laughs) no i mean i'm i'm there with you uh tito is is one of my favorite managers of all time uh and he just does a great job year in year out no matter where he is uh but i don't think cleveland is giving him up they understand his value uh craig i want you to um think about your answer here which is like aaron boone seems like a great candidate for the the padres managerial thing because i googled something that I, I remember we used to do this when we were talking about managers before the Padres uh, hired A.J. Preller's best friend. Um, mm. I googled whether or not Aaron Boone speaks Spanish fluently. Mm-hmm. I came across uh, some articles from 2017 and 2018 about how does Aaron Boone communicate with Gary Sanchez, who apparently his English, Gary Sanchez's English either is or was uh, pretty weak. Um, and Aaron Boone said all of their communications uh, went through uh, an assistant coach slash translator um, because, uh, in, in Boone's own words, I don't speak that language. Um, I, I, I do continue to think, even though it didn't make Jace Tingler a good manager, I do continue to think that 
if you have $640 million invested in Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado, um, and and the the number one goal of literally every move your team does is to uh, get the most out of those guys, uh, keep them here for the rest of their careers, keep them happy and productive. Um, I do think uh, a manager who speaks Spanish or, uh, as we saw with Jace Tingler, at least makes a strong attempt to, to speak Spanish uh, is important. And based on those four-year-old quotes or three-year-old quotes, it doesn't appear that Aaron Boone was that guy. Uh, perhaps he has changed that stance since. But does that change how you feel about Aaron Boone at all? Not necessarily. I mean, I think uh, I think it would be nice. I, I really don't think speaking Spanish matters when it comes to the two players you just mentioned. I mean, you could speak to Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. in English every day and not have oh, a no, problem. No, it's, no it's of, when you of, have... of course you could. Right. It's, it's more about like just building a, a relationship and, and, and a fondness. And uh, sometimes it's, it's easier to, to create those bonds if the players see you, you know, kind of making the extra effort to, to meet them halfway, you know, or meet them on their terms instead of your own. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And I'm just thinking about other people who are more, you know, native Spanish speakers. And I mean, Lamette's the first guy who just pops to mind. Right. But I mean, even Caratini speaks, I'm sure he speaks enough English to get by in baseball, but he's a native Spanish speaker. Um, so, you know, people like that. Uh, it does matter I, for me for this hire at this time. It's, it's, it's something to put on the positive of the list, but it's not going to be it's not going to be a box that is a must check or else you're eliminated. Um, it just depends on who the guy is. You know, a lot of things are wide open. Like I was just thinking and watching a little bit of baseball today at work. I mean, you've got so many different examples of what can work right in Chicago. And I, I think I sent or posted in the discord earlier, the, the New York times story that was about how there's a thriving Latin culture in the dugout and in the in the locker room in Chicago with the White Sox, and that's despite having like an octogenarian as their manager, uh, who admittedly is a Spanish speaker, but I mean is not <laughs> is not fun in any way, shape, or form, right? In Tony La Russa, so you've got that, and then uh, over in this other National League series, you've got a guy like Craig Council, who was never a manager before he stepped in to be the Brewers manager. But he was a player for a long time in Major League Baseball who had the ability to relate to other players. And as such, he was able to step in and, and immediately turn that. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Team around and be a great manager from year one. So, I mean, there really are a lot of different ways to get there as an organization. But the, but the, the mistakes that A.J. Preller made and has made consistently are mistakes in terms of judgment of character. And I think in particular, when it comes to the aspect of leadership, um, I, I, I would be happy to get into this deeper, uh, uh, but I, that's one of my, my theories I've really been thinking about since we last talked, John, in terms of the types of people that AJ Preller through his tenure has entrusted to lead in the organization and just how wrong he's been so many times about what it takes to be a good leader. Yeah, I um, I do want to get into this conversation. We had a couple people that had their hands up, but but have since put them back down. Uh, but I have been thinking because I I heard um a part of Darren Smith's show. Uh, it got tweeted out where he was basically saying like, "You can't defend Preller anymore. There's no there's no defending him. Like, look at all the ways in which he's screwed up." Um, and I think I even retweeted it because I thought it was a big deal that Darren was saying that, um, partially because I know that Darren is uh, like has a, a good relationship with with uh, with Preller. And so it was striking to me against uh, all the other media in this town that um, does everything and anything to defend the guys they like, uh, even when it means not speaking the truth. And here's Darren calling out um, someone that, you know, is he's 
uh, very friendly with and and saying like this you can't defend this guy like he, basically he's you know he needs to be fired uh, and and the fact they're not is is kind of a mistake. Um, I wanted to push back on that and and probably your thoughts about Preller uh, a little bit. So why don't you go first with your your kind of speech about Preller and then I'll I'll give you my thoughts. Okay, so here's what I was thinking about. You've got different ways to build a club, right? And I, I think it's very clear that AJ Preller is, is good, very creative, sometimes excellent in certain aspects of his job, right? So he's he can be excellent at plucking that guy out of someone else's minor league system, a la a Jake Cronenworth. He can be excellent at going out and scouting to turn around this team so that first round draft picks become regularly very good players, sometimes great players, uh, or at least very good prospects, sometimes great prospects instead of, uh, you know, just busts like we had so many years under Kevin Towers at all. Uh, You know, he's got the ability to put together, you know, uh, talent on a roster. But when you look at specific to just the concept of leadership, Right. Preller's good at scribbling out the equation. Preller's good at trying to figure out unique solutions to equations. But I think he misses something in the gestalt. I think he misses something in the the wholeness of it, a a, a more holistic way of thinking. And especially when it comes to emotional leadership qualities. Consider this list, John, if you will. December of 14 or October of 14. AJ Preller takes over December of 14, Preller's winter, right? He remakes the San Diego Padres completely. He added lots of players to the 2015 Padres, but these players he added to be leaders of the 2015 and going forward Padres, Matt Kemp. He brought in Matt Kemp to be a clubhouse leader to help lead the pitching staff, he brought in James Shields. And to help direct the defense and direct things on the field, he brought in Derek Norris, okay? Now, none of these are men of high character, and particularly in the case of Norris. Uh, Kemp is a negative leader and had been in multiple other places before coming to San Diego, and and he did exactly the same thing here. Uh, led a poisonous clubhouse. James Shields, right, famously put up the stupid sign, if you don't like it, pitch better or whatever. You know, served up the homer to Tati. He was a complete fraud uh, as a leader and, you know, thankfully gave up that homer to Barton Cologne so that we got uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. So that was his first go-round at leadership, okay? By June of 16, his leadership plans were completely awry. Kemp was being traded. Shields was being traded. Norris gone. But he has a right fielder that's red hot. And he signs him and declares him the leader of the team and the face of the franchise. And that is, of course, Will Myers. Will Myers is a ball player. Will Myers is not a leader. He's never been. He never has been. And if you're in a room with him for 20 minutes, you'd know he never would be. Preller literally gives him that title and and gives him the money to be the leader of the franchise. The next year, all we're hearing in 2017 is what a huge mistake they made and how Will Myers is just not a leader and can never be a leader of a clubhouse. So what do they do in 2018? They sign Eric Hosmer for his leadership qualities. And it's Eric Hosmer who all the reporting says, you know, help tank this season, tank this season, not just with his shite play, but with his shite attitude in the locker room. The exact things he was brought here to do, he doesn't do. He does the opposite of that. In the dugout, Pat Murphy, a guy who's a clown with no respect. Andy Green, no respect. Jace Tingler, no respect. These are the guys he puts in charge of these other player guys as leaders. My working hypothesis here, A.J. Preller is maybe emotionally incapable of understanding what it takes to be a leader of a group of men. He is attracted to bros. He's attracted to athleticism. He's attracted to kind of that 
you know, on the basketball court mentality of the dude who dominates and is cool. I think he's really attracted to that. And I don't think he understands exactly what it takes to be a leader of men because all the guys he's brought in have been those kind of bro, I'm such an athlete, you know, guys, and they're not leaders. Okay. Um, I agree with almost everything you just said. Actually, no, I agree with everything that you just said. But I want to add a little caveat on the end of my agreement, which is, and I saw someone tweet this like a week or two ago, and I, I'm sure I smashed the retweet button. Uh, and someone said, I have a controversial take. That take is that AJ Preller can actually learn from his mistakes. Actually, no, I think this happened on, on our Discord. And uh, I, I loved that. The idea that like, a, this is still AJ Preller's first time being a general manager, and B, he hasn't been doing it for a particularly long time. Although maybe in baseball terms, six years is a long time. It's a long time. Seven years. It's a long time. Seven years. Uh, but I, like, yes, I think Preller has been looking for someone to lead the clubhouse. And I think when he first took over as GM, he was like, what they need is a superstar that they can all look up to and, you know, they'll work as hard as him and they'll try and, you know, play like him and that'll raise everyone's value. Um, and he, he took a huge gamble that Kemp wasn't uh, cooked as a baseball player. And it turned out that he was. And because he was cooked, he he himself got demotivated, uh, which then made him exactly the opposite of what you want in a leader on your team. Uh, then he was probably looking at Will Myers going, well, the reason that no one is uh, viewing Will as a leader is because he's on his uh, rookie contract and everyone assumes he'll be gone in two years. So uh, let's show them that, um, you know, Will's going to be here for a long, long time. And, and if they, you know, and, and we're going to build the franchise around Will Myers and they need to get in line behind him and that'll help him to get his leadership going. Uh, and then after that, that all-star year and the contract, Will became just kind of a mediocre ball player and it became harder to be like, hey, we're building the franchise around this guy. Then they were like, well, maybe we need someone with rings. Maybe we need someone with rings who, uh, you know, is is kind of the catalyst for that team winning a ring. Uh, someone who's got gold gloves, uh, someone who, you know, uh, is a quote unquote leader. Uh, and that's part of his signability, all that stuff. So we'll get Hosmer. And then, uh, you know, before I think they realized whether or not that was a massive failure, which it was, um, they got Machado too. And now they don't need to go searching for a leader necessarily as far as the players go because they have one in Machado. Like, that's that's proven. That's a fact. And, like, I, I think at the end of the day, if they thought that there was any way they were going to get Machado without, like, first getting Hosmer and first signing Will Myers, they absolutely, absolutely would just be like, all right, well, you know, Machado's going to get here and he'll be our leader. But they, I, I think A.J. Preller slowly but surely can and maybe is learning from his mistakes in that there's an actual, like, player leader in the clubhouse now and that's kind of the only person we have to worry about. Um like, I think the team will go whichever way Machado goes, uh, which I think is why I think his his voice and comfort level with whoever the, the new manager is is, is very important. Um, I just wanted to say one quick thing, because in, in response to, you know, Darren Smith listing off all the failures of A.J. Preller, and there are plenty, and you listing off like, hey, there's some things that A.J. is good at, and there's some things that he's really bad at. Um, I would just like to point out, like, I had one of those moments today where I, I went back in time a little bit and I was imagining like, you know, the Padres, let's even call it five years ago and where we sit now compared to then. And like, if I had told me five years ago, Hey, uh, the Padres are going to have an $180 million payroll. Um, they're going to have signed uh, a superstar player in his prime to a 10-year, $300 million contract. And I'd be like, no, I don't believe you. And I'd be like, wait, wait, wait. They followed that up by signing another superstar player who has the potential to be like a top 5, 10 player of all time to a 14-year contract starting when he's like 21. Um, I'd be like, no, I don't believe that that happened either. And it's like, yes, A.J. Preller has made mistakes. Um, you may even be able to argue that he's made more mistakes than he has successes, but, like, I think we just kind of make the assumption that, like, oh, Peter Seiler was going to spend that money regardless. And I don't know if that's true. And, like, oh, Peter Seiler would have signed Manny Machado regardless. I don't think that's true. Like, 
you have to one of the traits that AJ Preller has is he's been able to get Peter Seidler and even Ron Fowler to open up the wallet in a way that we've never seen a Padres owner pay for players and things before. And so um, overall, like I understand being critical of AJ Preller, but I also think we need to take a step back and realize where this franchise was before AJ Preller and give him like, a, a little bit more credit than we typically do for where the franchise has come since. I know they just won 79 games and they were consistently winning like 75 games before he got here. But the fact that he was able to get Machado and Tatis on this team uh, is big to me. And the fact that he got them to sign for double digit years is big to me. And the fact that he got this ownership to spend money on a level that, that we didn't think was possible is important to me. And like if if it goes from AJ Preller to another GM who's better at some of these management things and better at um, you know building depth and and setting a roster and and better at uh, you know assigning the right people the right jobs and and not micromanaging and all that, but for whatever reason he's not as convincing when it comes to uh, getting Peter Seidler to spend money on things. That feels like that's almost a net negative, or or it just like washes out. Is that crazy of me to say? It's not crazy. And, you know, I, I, and I was just trying to dig back and kind of find where someone was talking about this uh, in, in the group therapy questions. But, uh, you know, when, when, when you think about what Peter Seidler was saying in his interviews on Monday, I think a lot of people were disappointed, probably in this discord even more than in the public in terms of him being like, look, I'm 100% behind AJ Preller. I'm not you know, mostly behind him, or I'm not giving him a vote of confidence. I'm completely behind this guy, and that's not being blind. I've really looked at it. I really believe in him. I really think some of these reports are untrue, you know, or they've got it backwards. And I think this guy's got the quality, you know, and he's and he's going to do it. Um, immediately, that allows some people to turn their, their turrets away from Preller and towards Seidler. Right, like now he's the problem because he's not seeing the truth. When will they realize he can't get away with it? Um, but in reality, I, I really thought about this the last couple of days. Like what Peter Seidler said is exactly what he had to say. It was strategically, game theory wise, the exact right thing to say because on one level, you need to project confidence because this is renewal season, okay? There's a lot of people making their season ticket renewal decisions coming up. And there's no good way to sell, yeah, the owner just publicly said that the GM's on, on thin ice, you know, and, and that this is the end of the rope for him if he doesn't turn it around. There's no good way to sell that. Uh, there's a, there is a good way to sell. The owner is 100% behind the GM. The GM is 100% safe. They are convinced that, that they are about to, to be a great team for five years in a row. So there's that level. There's also the level of you need a controlled AJ Preller in order for this team to actually have a chance to be good for the next five years. And an AJ Preller that knows that he must win 90 games next year in order to uh, keep his job is far more likely to do the things that have been, you know, doom speculated on in our discord for weeks and months, even by myself, you know, trade CJ Abrams, trade Camposano, trade Gore, trade all of the young talent just to get salary relief and, and to get some other veteran guys, you know, uh, to, to come in and bolster the team for one year. A, a GM that feels he's on the hot seat is absolutely going to make those moves without hesitation. A GM who feels he is hundred percent confident that his job is safe no matter what happens in 2022 is far more likely to play the long game and to see the whole field instead of only as it relates to his figure on the board. So that's point two. Point three is that even if he really does think that AJ Preller is on the hot seat and must win in 2022, why would he say that publicly? You know, beyond the strategic concerns I just laid out, what advantages gained? to the organization for him to say that publicly. So he did the exact right thing. And I also think Peter Seidler is smart enough to know to do the right thing. 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, this is uh, the the question you were probably searching for um, in our, our group therapy text chat is is this one. Uh, it was a three-part uh, question, although the first part wasn't a question from Senor Juante. First part, he listed off his dream manager for the Padres, who's Raul Ibanez. Interesting choice. His realistic manager choices were Mark Loretta or Ron Washington. Um, his second question, which I think we can come back around to, is which managerial job is more appealing between the Padres and Mets? And then this is the one you were getting at where he said, do you guys believe Siler had to show 100% faith in AJ Preller just so that a reputable manager would have faith that it's not a one-year job for the manager position and so that free agents would not hesitate to come play in San Diego? It sounds like you believe 100% yes, Siler had to do that just to keep the trains on mm-hmm. track. Uh, yes, uh, that's, that is my answer. And that was the one I was looking for. You're absolutely right. Okay, so so all of those things, the manager and the free agents, that's absolutely right by Fuente. So uh, in your mind, which managerial job is more appealing between the Padres or Mets? Um, I think they're both appealing. uh, And the advantage to the Mets is that you have like one of the richest guys in the world, right, as your owner. So um, that's huge. But I would lean toward the Padres. Um, because of the overall group and because I've got a 22-year-old Fernando Tatis Jr. and a 28-year-old Manny Machado on the left side of the lineup. Uh, uh, you know, and, and I know that Lindor is, is a great player, um, but I don't see that second guy on the Mets that's incredible. Um, you know, I, I think they're just an okay team. I think they're in a much, much more difficult spot uh, from a media standpoint, even as you know, turbocharged and, and nervous as we'll be. Going into 2022, I still think the Mets are a tougher job. Um, and Cohen's been a little bit more erratic uh, as an owner in terms of having a little Ron Fowler in him, you know, to be going out there and, and dinging people. So uh, I, I think it's a slight lean toward the Padres for me. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. Um, plus, you don't have to deal with the New York market. Uh, the fans are, are less volatile, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you don't have to play. I mean, I, I guess we're playing little brother to the Dodgers, but you don't have to play little brother to the Yankees. Um, our buddy HJ Preller uh, asked, what are Craig and John's preferred paths for how to build this roster into a World Series contender this offseason, given current arbitration and guaranteed contracts? And let's assume that Papa Pete agrees to fund a $180 million payroll again. So what are what is your preferred path to build this roster into a World Series contender this offseason? Well, if there was an easy answer to this question, then I'd be the GM, right? Or 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 HJ would, as Mr. Mr. HJ has uh, laid out, and we talked about it Monday. Um, you know, he he went through the the dollars and cents, and really the the Padres are stuck in a bit of a corner i mean i think just applying common sense to the situation john the way that you increase your payroll flexibility is by getting rookie contracts into the lineup right getting players who are young and controllable uh into positions uh that are currently held by older highly paid players so you know, you've got in left field right now an opening, and you've got a kid like Abrams who is on the come. And if he's good enough to make the team next year, I feel like he should make the team. And the and the 
and the team should have a position for him. And if that position is left field so that, that Grish is in center or if it's shortstop and whatever, I, you know, I, that's on them to figure out. But adding young talent to the lineup in replace of expensive talent is a way that will then give us the ability to spend where it needs to be spent because I think you have to spend dollars uh, for the most part on your pitching. Um, I, I don't think you've got the options short of McKenzie Gore, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, downstairs to, to come in, plug in, uh, and help. I mean, the best possible thing, and it's got to be number one on everyone's list uh, you know, for the Padres, is to move one or both of their $20 million contract guys. So if it's possible in any way without jeopardizing your future to move Myers or Hosmer to gain payroll flexibility, then you need to do that. You need to be really smart not to follow that up with another expensive commitment to someone else. There needs to be some spots on this team that are filled with young players and filled with guys on one and two year contracts, you know, and that that is a way that, because I, I really think what you need to do, John, to make this team viable. I was thinking about this in the way home because I think I had read this question at lunch. I don't know how you do it. Tell me how you do it. But I, I think this team, it, I think Preller needs to go into this offseason planning for his pitching staff, and he needs to deliberately plan for a pitching staff that will get zero innings from Mike Clevenger and zero innings from Denelson Lamette. And that is expecting them to throw over 100 innings each, which is probably what they actually internally expect, because you need to have that coverage. That coverage was missing. You can't count on injured guys coming back to give you coverage. I think they need to have that coverage. And then if those players actually come back and pitch and are successful, well, you're you're great, right? You're golden. You're never going to be like, oh, it's too bad that we had too much pitching. You know, it, that's, that's never going to be the issue. So I would be, you know, it, whether it's a spending on a Strowman or whatever, you know, if they can find that flexibility to do that, if they can use the kids, Camposano, Abrams, you know, in a year, hassle, gore, next year get these guys in on you know young players to to work that's the way that we can back ourselves out of the corner i think yeah i mean number one you're right um they should probably what they should probably do with hosmer and myers uh is here's the thing hosmer has some value it's just not 20 million dollars in value and myers has some value it's just not 20 million dollars in value so what they should probably do with each one of them um, separately from each other is find a team that is uh, interested at those players at a lower cost and say, hey, uh, we will trade you Will Myers and $10 million, which would be half of his contract for 2022. I think he's a free agent after 2022, or maybe it's a T club option. Um, but we'll yeah. trade you Will Myers and $10 million and you trade us back like some 17 year old kid that's in your, you know, complex that you don't have a high ceiling on, um, and do the same thing with, with Hosmer say, Hey, we'll, we'll give you, uh, you know, like, yeah, it'd be like $20 million. Um, be like, Hey, we'll trade you Hosmer and $20 million, but that frees up, you know, 10 million this year, six next year, six the following year. That's that way. At least you could clear like a little bit of cap space. Um, you also probably have to walk away from Denelson Lamette uh, in arbitration. Um, but yeah, like I'm looking at the list of pitchers they have under major league contracts, starting pitchers they have under major league contracts for next year. Uh, there are <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them. Um, six of them ended the season on some sort of injured reserve list. Uh, I'll list those off. Darvish Snell, Clevenger Paddock, Michelle Baez, and Adrian Motejon all ended the season on some sort of injured reserve, which means there are uh, two guys under major league contract that did not end the season on injured reserve. One is Joe Musgrove. The other is Denelson Lamette, who, as I mentioned, they probably have to walk away from in arbitration, or at least it would probably be the smart thing for them to do. Um, another thing they could possibly do, because I think it's coming eventually anyway, is they probably should extend Joe Musgrove. Uh, and by doing so, they can really lower uh, his number for 2022. Just be like, hey, year one, 
you're going to go from, you know, four and a half million to two million, something like that. But we're going to sign you to like a six year, you know, $90 million contract or whatever it is. Um, so there are little little games they can play like that of extending people to to lower their numbers for 2022 if they're desperate, which I think they kind of are. Uh, but yeah, I agree. They they have to they have to get rid of they they just they have to get rid of Hosmer or Frazier. You can't keep them both. It's impossible. Um, if they could find a way to get off the Jurix and Profar contract, that would be a huge win. I don't see how that's possible. Um, but yeah, it's basically about clearing enough cap space so that you can bring in a Chris Bryant or someone to to play left field who can uh, offer some pop uh, and and a, another really good hitter in that lineup is is really what they need. Um, and then just hope that you can piece together a bullpen and hope that you have enough uh, healthy starting pitchers. Although I I suppose they can try and search for one on the free agent or trade markets, but. Good luck. Uh, right now, next year's starting rotation, uh, I'm going to assume that Lamette's not in it, Paddock's not in it, Baez is not in it, and Monahone is not in it, um, would be Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Clevenger, and question marks, uh, which is you know, just, Weathers or Gore, probably. Which is Weathers or Gore, and I, I highly doubt they're ready to start the season with, with Gore in the starting rotation, so it's probably Weathers, and this is the point when everyone hopes and prays that I am right, uh, and that the reason for Weathers' poor performance was that broken bone in his foot that that now has the offseason to, to rest. Um, no one has their hand raised right now, uh, despite the fact there's a lot of people here. So uh, by all means, if anyone wants to raise their hand and join the conversation, do so. Uh, I want to bring up some names that I've seen dancing around in the Discord for, for manager candidates that has not yet been brought up by people joining us, because um, I'm interested in your reaction to them. Uh, one of them is Will Venable. How do you feel about Will Venable? <laughs> it's really funny when this one's been brought up because Will is, you know, how many times has Will's, you know, time at Princeton been brought up? Well, smart he's from guy. Princeton. Ivy League, Craig. Ivy League. Yeah, Ivy League. It's so smart. He's so smart. Do you know he's he played Ivy basketball League. there? He, he, he was a two-way athlete. Yeah. So athletic. So smart. Did you hear he went to Princeton? Went to Ivy Princeton. League. You know, it's uh, so that always drove me crazy, although he is a very nice guy. And, and I always enjoyed, um, you know, like interviewing him or talking to him. I did not enjoy his tenure in San Diego. He's one of the rare people when uh, Dallas was doing his Padres Canon series that I voted against putting in the Canon because I, I thought he was an example of the Padres misery. He was always he's so smart. He's a two way athlete. He's so special. He came up late. You know, he's, he's a late bloomer, and it oh, turned he, out he was just you know, he a really was the, mediocre player. He was a late bloomer every season. He would show up when the game stopped mattering and, and look amazing, and then they'd be like, oh, God, did you see Will Myers at the end of the last season? He's going to be a superstar next year. Yeah, drove me crazy. And, and, and you know what? It's funny that you even just Freudian Will Myers in for Will Venable because they've kind of been the same guy. Oh, Everyone dreams on the talent. They have two or three weeks where they're brilliant, and then there's, like, all these befuddling – you know, long lapses where they're just absolutely terrible. So that's Will Venable, the player. I am being extremely unfair by applying all of my player-hating Will Venable filters to him as manager. I'm really not sure. I think he would have some level of respect. I think he's had some decent degree of training uh, in his last two stops, um, which would make him somewhat appealing. But I wouldn't really lift my skirt that high. If they, if it would, I wouldn't be like mad if they got Will Venable, but it would, it, it's not really blowing my skirt that far up. Okay. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a list of potential manager names, uh, that AC apparently put in, uh, one of his recent articles. Um, Padres Porterhouse gave us this list and then asked, uh, is AC just listing the usual suspects or does he actually have a source inside the front office? And then he said, is there any past evidence that he has any clue what AJ Preller or Peter Seiler are thinking? Um, no, there is no past evidence that he has any clue what AJ Preller or Peter Seiler are thinking. Uh, his past inside source was Ron Fowler, um, who's not really involved here anymore. Uh, but here's the list that that AC put out. I, I'm going to assume this is mostly speculating on the usual suspects. Ron Washington, Bruce Bochy, Luis Rojas, Aaron Boone, Buck Showalter, Will Venable, Mark Kotze, Phil Nevin, and then this one was not AC but got added on by someone in our Discord who was interested in the idea of it, Mark Pryor. 
from that list, I'm going to use your own terminology. Is there anyone who blows your skirt up? Okay. Um, I need to put these guys in buckets. All right. Cause I, I they don't work for me as a full list. If the Padres are going to go after the quote unquote old time veteran manager. Oh, wait, before you say three, anything, there was a quote yeah. today that I saw, which was someone asked Dave Roberts if uh, he thought his pal Bruce Bochy was going to coach next year. And Dave laughed and said, no, I don't think so. Just a hunch. Felt like that needed. Fair to enough. Fair enough. So I would put in out of this list, three guys into the old men bucket right, of Bochy, Showalter, and Washington. Um, out of that bucket, I've already made it clear, it, you know, whether, it, right, he's never going to come back, whatever. I do think if Bruce Bochy is sitting in the dugout, there's a, a, a kind of a regality to that. There's like a holy cow, real guys here. We got to get our mind our P's and Q's. I think it would put a jolt of confidence through the entire organization. Uh, if he was there, whether or not he's going to be incredible, I think that would happen, that the confidence would happen. Um, Showalter, I'm really not that into. Um, and Ron Washington is the guy I'm grudgingly going to wind up having to accept at the end because we're all playing games. Uh, you know, AJ's just going to put his thumb down where he wants. So that's bucket one. Bucket two is younger managers who have recently had a job. And those are the two New York guys, right? Rojas and Boone. I would definitely rate Boone over Rojas in that situation. Um, and then you've got the ex-Padre bucket of Venable, Katze, Nevin, Pryor. Um, and out of that group, I think Nevin and Pryor would be the top tier for me. Venable and Katze would be below that. I think all four of them are intriguing. Uh, I think pitchers aren't necessarily always great managers um and, and starting pitchers name name just, three I mean, name it, three pitchers that became managers bud black that's the only one i can ever come up with um yeah you know it, it, it's just <laughs> i, just, it, I it's, had to it's I, a, I had to call you on it when you were like pitchers don't make good managers and i was like he said pitchers that means there's more than just buddy i'm sure there's someone else that like i'm not thinking of but it's so it's so freaking rare, isn't it? Um, and so I just I just don't know in terms of prior, but he, all four of those guys are intriguing in their own way, and I think Nevin is the closest of the four. Um, yeah, I found an article on ESPN titled uh, "History Doesn't Favor Pitchers as Managers," and the uh, the most recent name that they cite is actually Larry Rothschild who managed before Bud Black managed. Um, but yeah, that's my only thing against Pryor is, I mean, he's currently a pitching coach. You want to hire a, a, a pitching coach to, to be your manager. It's, it's dicey sometimes. Um, I tend to feel the same way that you do that. It will most likely be Ron Washington. Although I tweeted out that I would be surprised if Ron Washington wasn't the coach of the the manager of the San Diego Padres by the, the beginning of November. And uh, old Barry Bo Bloom uh, came at me on Twitter and said it's not going to happen uh, because Preller was there when Washington got fired with Texas for personal reasons, um, which is just a, a totally stupid and out-of-touch thing for, for old Boomski to say, so right on brand. Um you know, I, I haven't been a big fan of the Bochy thing, I think, because I don't feel like it's realistic. I do agree with you that there is some some regality and some uh, attention grabbiness to, to Bruce Bochy if he does become the manager here. Um, same is probably true with Aaron Boone. Uh, I have slowed my role on Buck Showalter, understanding that Buck's value has always been like, come in, take over a bad team and make them good. And then usually yeah. someone else has to come in to make that good team great. And, like, the Padres already went from bad to good. Now they need someone to take them from good to great, and I, that's never really been Buck's bread and butter. Um, I don't know, like, big question marks for me for, for Kotze, Nevin, uh, as I said prior. Like, I just got no idea what any of them are. I'm really starting to come around to, to Will Venable. Um, I, I, don't, I don't exactly know why. Uh, he just, of, of all the young guys, maybe it is the, the Princeton narrative and all that, but... 
of all the young guys that I, I feel like he's the one that would um, fit in the best with the the current group of players, current roster of players as a a, a, a leader of men outside of um, you know as as one of the young younger guys on this list. He's so smart, but but as a late bloomer, are you concerned he won't be a good manager until he's like seventy two? Yeah, right. Well, I'll, I'll do the uh, <laughs> I'll do that. Well, I, I, so I was talking to to Ben and Woods yesterday. I was texting them because uh, I I texted you and said like Woods has had enough of Ben's shit because they were arguing all morning long because Ben kept saying the Padres are really close. They're really close to having a championship team. And Woods was arguing that they're not close at all. And, um, oh, now I forget where I was going with this. Oh, and, and we were talking uh, at one point, uh, Ben said, you know, the Padres just have to do what the Giants did. They just have to find, you know, a, a Gossman of their own and, and they'll be fine. And I was like, that's that's such an absurd thing to say, like find a Gossman of their own. And I was like, right. way more realistic than that would be finding a Gabe Kapler of their own a manager who kind of flamed out somewhere else and on, you know, his second trip as a manager, you know, kind of figured it out. Um, and that, that would, you, you kind of reminded me of that with like the idea that Venable would flame out at a couple places and, and play well, because uh, then we started thinking of, you know, managers that had kind of come in as quote unquote failures due to their, their history and really turned franchises around. And, you know, Woods obviously went straight to Joe Torrey. Like Joe Torrey was thought, to be as a failure. And then Ben said, you know, Pete Carroll was Seattle's 15th choice to be head coach or no USC's 15th choice to be head coach. And so we started going back and forth with, with coaches that, and that's what I said. I was like, if you get the right manager in here, they really can be a solve for uh, a lot of the issues that the Padres are having. Um, I mean, it can't like fix the analytics department, but it can do a, a better job of translating them uh, keeping all the guys focused on the the you know the same task, uh, making sure everyone is happy and playing to their their strengths. Um, but yeah, it's the the I, I I just I had to go after them a little bit at the the line of like oh they just need to go find a Gossman of their own as if that that happens every single year. You just you you know you go down to the the dump and you you pick out a player and boom he's right. your ace and like a Cy Young candidate. Yeah, I mean somebody out of all the teams and all the transactions. Usually every year, somebody digs a gem out of the scrap heap. So all we need is for the Padres to just simply be that one team, you know, that finds the hidden immunity idol in the jungle. And and if they do, they will be completely great. No problem. It's a, it's a super efficient strategy. Yeah, well, and our, our metal detector used to be uh, Bosley. Bosley used to be great at finding guys off the scrap heap and turning them into something great. And while, you know, we're looking for a Gossman, what we probably need is a Bosley. Um, speaking of, we haven't mentioned pitching coach once because I, I guess whoever the manager is will will dictate that. All right, we got a few minutes left before I got to take off and, and before we hit the one hour mark. But uh, Rafi Cantor is here, uh, one of our favorite uh, Patreon subscribers to talk to. Rafi, I hope you came armed with your your managerial candidate of choice. I, I did. I, I came armed with my Will Venable apology tour. Okay, I will be the Venable. We have a Hosmer apologist. If we hire Will Venable, I will be the Will Venable apologist. I will volunteer myself as tribute. Um, but I think there are two things. Because first of all, Craig, you're 100% right. I have fallen victim to the Princeton narrative. Chris Young has the same thing going for him. You know, Ivy League, whatever. I, I totally eat that shit up. Uh, but there's two experiences that Will Venable has specifically that I think are critical for the team and I think can help him as manager. Um, the first one is that he was part of the 2010 Padres that utterly collapsed. And he has that experience of being on a team that just absolutely fell off of a cliff that I think is super valuable as a way to speak to the players and relate to them. Not only has he played here, he's been here and been through a very similar season that they just went through. Um, and like, obviously we have the Theo Epstein pedigree when he was with the Cubs and he was the bench coach for Alex Cora now and all that stuff. The other thing that I think is not, you can't cast aside with him is that, you know, we're talking about someone who we think will stick up for the players. And, you know, we want people who are going to say no to AJ Preller. Will Venable was traded by AJ Preller. He, you know, he, AJ Preller 
AJ Preller brought in a bunch of players to replace Will Venable, who had a starting position on this team, and essentially screwed him over. So I, if you want someone who I think isn't going to take AJ shit, th- there's no better than someone who was traded by him. So uh, I, those are my uh, Will Venable apology defenses. Uh, you know, I will gladly, I'm sure, be eating crow at the end of 2022 when Will Venable is chased out of town. But uh, I have the avatar queued up and ready to go if they hire him. So thanks, you guys. Thank you, Thank Rafey. You. Um, Craig, uh, I, I have to I have to throw my my hot take at you uh, before we get out of here. I know I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. I don't care that his contractual obligations have changed. He can always retire. Uh, Yadier Molina. Yadier Molina should be the, the freaking manager of this team next year. I'm completely <laughs> convinced that Yadier Molina should be the, the manager of the San Diego Padres in, in 2022. Uh, what say you? Yadier knew you'd say that. Yadier did know I would say that. I mean, he, he can technically retire as a player and and give up his contractual obligations as a player and sign as a manager somewhere. I'm, I'm like 98% sure that that's a real thing. I don't think he will. I think no, the possibility of it is very, very small. But, Extremely. Yeah, but like... <laughs> But I would love, like, I, I was a big fan of, you know, those few years where it was like, hey, let's take, like, the guy that everyone knows uh, that just retired, that everyone knows is going to be a manager at some point, like a Mike Matheny or a Craig Council or a, um, oh, there was uh, someone else who did this, too. Um, Aaron Boone. <laughs> I guess, but like someone who literally went from, like, a player one year to, like, a manager the next year or the, oh, the yeah, year after yeah. that. Um, I would not be opposed to to grabbing uh, who's the guy in the the Royals who like made the All Star team this year the the catcher Salvador Perez like if Sally yeah. wants to retire like sure Sal Salvador Perez like if you want to grab like a guy that we haven't named because he's technically still a player but there's a chance that he retires and everyone knows he'll one day be a good uh, manager oh uh, um, Alex Cora was the other name I was trying to come up with. There you go. Um, I'd be, I, I would honestly be very excited by, by that idea and that prospect. I, you know, I, I, it seems a little crazy, and maybe this is why I'm not the world's greatest gambler, but uh, I, I love that idea. I mean, I, I definitely, I feel you. I, I think in those two particular cases, those men will never wear a uniform other than the uniforms they've worn. So, I, I think Yachty will have a permanent position with the Cardinals. Uh, I think Sal Perez will have a permanent position with the Royals uh, just because those guys are iconic and have, have re-upped with their team so many times that now they are, you know, symbolic with one team. Um, it, it wouldn't be great for Yadi Molina's brand to retire from the Cardinals tomorrow and be the Padres manager next week. Like, it honestly wouldn't be that great for his brand. It, it would be great for us, but it wouldn't be that great for him. So that's why it won't happen. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree with you. Just throwing it out there as a, an idea, kind of like how, kind of, kind of like when when Jeter retired, and it was like, well, he'll be a Yankee for life, and then like five minutes later, he's like, I love the Miami Marlins. I just bought them. (laughs) Um, You know, a a man can dream. You're gonna dream about Otani getting signed by the Padres. I'm, I'm gonna dream about. I was just gonna say that. I'm gonna dream about uh, uh, Yadi or Molina being the the manager of the Padres. Uh, We'll we'll see how that works out for I guess both of us. Um, anything else before we get out of here, Craig? Um, I was thinking just, you know, I was kind of thinking about our format, uh, as I was driving home today and I just kind of feel like John right now with the Padres in flux, uh, the way they are with no manager, with a lot of things that are kind of up in the air, uh, and with the baseball playoffs going on that maybe we kind of stay in group therapy mode. I don't know if all the way through the month of October, quite possibly through the month of October, um, but like for the next couple of weeks at least and transition into that casual Friday. But I do, do want hopefully to have casual Friday become a place just like group therapy where we can bring a guest on, but we do it here on this stage. And if you want to come in and listen live, you know, if you want to have that experience, if you want to laugh with us, if you want to get into a topic with us and join in, you know, that interactivity is really important. I think to both John and I, uh, th- that we keep that going and, and keep that going into the off season and not just have the podcasts be us talking to you, um, but us talking with you. Um, and, and so just that's kind of my idea. I don't know, John, if you agree with that completely, but uh, that was kind of my thought in terms of how we transition the channel into off season mode is to kind of let these next couple, three weeks be 
that transition as, as the Padres have a lot of shit to sort out and figure out. Um, and as, you know, we continue with what we'll, we'll need group therapy for if the Dodgers keep advancing or if the Giants win the World Series, you know, there's certain things that will definitely put us on the couch with, with a cold compress in our heads. So uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think, you know, in the, the middle part of each week, we'll we'll kind of make a decision on if it's going to be a week where we exclusively focus on the Padres or go into other more worldly topics. I'm, I'm, I'm always down for uh, talking about the things that we want to talk about, that there is something to talk about, and otherwise uh, turning our attention to other things. That's that's always makes sense. Perfect. Well, for, uh, for with that, uh, last thing I'll say is a loyal play tomorrow night. Host Sacramento Republic. It's a 7:30 game. It's the last Saturday night game potentially of the entire year. Um, even playoffs, although you know there's some fingers crossed that the that the loyal will host a playoff game and it'll be a night game. Um, but with that, uh, the, my team, the Soccers, are going to be honored at halftime. Uh, so if you happen to be listening to this, either the folks right now in the Discord, folks who are listening in our Patreon community, or even those listening Saturday uh, on the main feed. You know, there's there's under a thousand tickets remaining. It's probably going to be a sellout. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. The cheapest seats are, are with me in section 109. Uh, so you know, let's fill the place up. Let's, this is another team now that the Padres are gone that we can get behind in San Diego and, and that has at least a, a good puncher's chance of, of going deep in the playoffs. There you go. Go go see the uh, go see the loyal play. Keep yourself distracted during the off season. It's going to be a long one. All right. Happy weekend. Go Padres. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.